0: Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 132 in which I talk BBW and Scrappitude. I am recording this episode on Friday the 13th. Hopefully that doesn't bode ill. i start out by saying thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you for all of the comments. I've got a boatload of them. I will do some listener feedback at the end of this episode because I know I wasn't able to get to it last time, so... I owe you some, but I'll I'll get there. Um, I'm thinking this is going to be a slightly shorter episode. Um, I It hasn't been all that long since I recorded the last one, but I am going out of town this weekend, and I kind of thought maybe it would be nice to have this done tonight. This is Friday night, again, Friday the 13th, um, if I can get it done tonight. Then on Sunday, when I get home from seeing my daughter at college, I will be able to purely focus on whatever quilting I can get done that afternoon and grocery shopping, because we have nothing in the house. <laughs> and a couple of kid updates quickly. I'll just start out with just a little bit of personal stuff, but not much. And um, the first one is that my daughter finally has a job. Woohoo! this has been a long time coming somehow. She has gotten to the age of 20 and better than a half, she turns 21 in February, uh, without ever having a regular paid job. Now, she has had jobs, but they've been more sort of bartering system <laughs> jobs, or she's done kind of routine, reg- or, I mean regular volunteer work that sort of was a job, she just wasn't getting paid for it. Um, she, When she was in high school, she worked at her stables. She uh, is a horseback rider, was a horseback rider. Um, all through high school and middle school. And her last couple of years, she was able to then um, get a job in the stables in exchange for riding lessons. Um, so she was able to take lessons twice a week instead of the once a week she had been doing because she was doing that job. So in essence, she was getting paid, but it was sort of, you know, paid in kind kind of thing. Um does not really work on your resume unfortunately and then after that you know through college she has volunteered working with children um, from uh, groups of people who are learning English as a another language Um, English language learners she has been providing childcare watching the kids and she has absolutely adored that she's done it two summers maybe three now um, in a row and she does that a couple days a week quite regularly and she loves the kids and they love her She, my daughter has always been good with kids I used to joke with her because when she was in preschool uh, she went to preschool in a building that was directly across the street from one of those McDonald's with the play places and so not not all the time I'll say maybe once a week I would pick her up from preschool and then we would go to that McDonald's for lunch and then I would take her over to my mother-in-law's who was providing childcare a few days a week, because I was working full-time at the time. Um, I've always been working full-time. I don't know why I said at the time. Anyway, so I would pick her up, and we'd go over to the McDonald's play place for a little bit of mommy-daughter lunch, and she would go on the play place, and inevitably, and remember, she was in preschool. She was like three and a half, maybe four years old. She would have the little kids following her, (laughs) and she'd be kind of gently herding them along and making sure that they were safe, but coming up with games that they would play and everything. So this is just kind of in her nature. Uh, so she loved volunteering for the refugee kids. Well, here at um, her college, she has now been employed to tutor elementary school kids a couple days a week. Uh, and I think it's like two days a week, four hours each day, something. It's a pretty time-intensive responsibility. But she is thrilled. She actually wanted to do it last year, but her uh, course schedule wouldn't allow her to. She had classes during the times that they were had tutoring. So this semester, she's able to do it. So she's really, really happy about that. She won't start for another couple of weeks, I guess. Um, that's predicated on whatever the elementary school schedule is. But she's really looking forward to it. And thank God, she does actually get paid. So <laughs> that'll be really nice. Um, I, I'm just thrilled for her. Um, I told her that we were tweeting back and forth today and she said she had filled out the paperwork she needed in order to actually get a paycheck. And so I I said, oh, I'm so glad to know that you'll be um, finally a productive member of society. And she said, mom, I've always been a productive member of society. I'm just getting paid for it now, (laughs) which, you know, is very true. Um, But in any case, so I'm I'm thrilled for her and I'm looking forward to going to see her this weekend because we're going to get to see her new dorm room for the first time and um, help her finish moving in. There were, like she's got her refrigerator is hard for her to carry, so her father is going to take that out of her car and put it in her dorm room for her, and then we're going to take her shopping for some storage containers and that kind of thing. So looking forward to that, but we'll get back um, Sunday. Her college is about, uh, about a three-and-a-half to four-hour drive for us, depending on how we hit traffic, because it's um, mostly expressway, but then the last 45 minutes is all a one- back country road that you're on for freaking ever, and it's near Fort Drum, um, a military base, so a lot of times on that road you can get stuck behind convoys that are only traveling like 35 miles an hour, so that, that's a little iffy. Um, but we're, we're hoping to be back not too long after lunch on Sunday so that we can um, have the rest of the day, because my husband has then got stuff going on for work all week the following week, so he really wants Sunday afternoon home to get some laundry done and that kind of thing. Um But also this weekend, while we are away visiting my daughter and helping her finish moving in, my son is finally moving out, and he is moving into his new apartment. He actually started the process a little bit today, but he's working tonight, so he wasn't able to really get it done, and then tomorrow is his his big moving day. Um, And of course, he's taking quite a bit of the furniture out of his bedroom (laughs) with him, so we're going to have one bare-necked room by the time he's gone. Uh, I did walk him through the pantry today and a little bit in the basement. We had a couple of lamps and stuff that I'm letting him take that we weren't using anymore. Um, But I mostly wanted to make, I wanted to walk through the pantry with him to make sure I came home with some food left left in our pantry. You know, it's a little nerve-wracking having a kid move out of your house while you are gone and cannot, you know, supervise. Uh, but I trust him. I mean, certainly he's a good kid. He's not going to take stuff that is valuable that we have not agreed upon. Um, And I've seen his new apartment. I went over with him yesterday so that I could take a look at it and see what kinds of things he might need. And it's a nice apartment. He and a friend of his, um, it's a two-bedroom apartment, and it's actually sort of a townhome style, uh, which is actually what he was in in Buffalo when he was still up there. So He's really happy with it. Um, it's smaller than what he's used to, but I think he and, he and his roommate will do fine in there. Um, and it's a nice area. So looking forward to him being all settled in there, and I'm sure I'll end up having to buy him some storage stuff too. So that is what's going on this weekend. Uh, yes, by Monday, I'll have my house back. Um, you know, I I love my kids. I miss my kids, but I also kind of like my space. So, so that'll be nice. Um so that's my, my personal life going on. For a quick reminder, the Banned Books Week Challenge is next week. Remember, no, I'm sorry. If you're listening to this, if I get this posted tonight, this it's two weeks. Um, it's September 22nd is when it starts. So you've got um, about a week left to get your challenge projects done. I did have our deadline for my guild. If you recall when I talked about this um, before, my guild was also participating, and our deadline was last Tuesday at our guild meeting. Uh, I had had a bunch of people say they were going to do it. By the time we had our show and tell, only three of us had done it. There might be another couple that come into the library um, after guild meeting. I don't know, but the, the people who did it loved doing it and did great stuff. I mean, they were really fun, and um, there will be pictures on our Guild blog, which I will link during Band Book Week. Um, I'll make sure I get it linked to my blog so you can see theirs. The interesting thing that you might want to know is that um, Kate from my Guild, the one that I'm co-hosting this challenge with in my Guild, she's the librarian at the local library where we're displaying our quilts, She, when she heard that I had a Flickr group for this, that Tanisha and I have a Flickr group, they have a big um, flat screen wall mounted TV that sits right behind the library desk and it, you know, just shows kind of it's a running scroll of announcements and highlights of things going on at the library. And she turned to me and she said, You know what? If you give me that link to the Flickr group, I would bet I could probably run a slideshow on that big screen TV. So here's the deal, listeners. You might all be on view for all of Ogden Library to family to see. That would be, I would, Oh, what a thrill um, to go into a library and, and see the Flickr group pictures going behind the desk. That would be really fun. So be thinking, be creating, and be ready for Band Books Week challenge. And remember that Tanisha and I will have some giveaways going for that. So Really excited about that, and especially excited that I've already got mine done, but I'm not gonna post the picture of it until Banned Books Week. The other announcement, and the main reason I wanted to do an episode tonight, if at all possible, so that those of you who do actually listen to podcasts like this, the second they get posted, Noni, not that I'm mentioning any names, uh, I wanted to make sure before the weekend started, you all knew about the Scrappitude Mystery Quilt. This is something I had meant to talk about in previous episodes, and I just kept blanking on it. Um, only because, you know, it was summer, and we all know what my summer was like. I did launch it officially on my blog this past week, so there are two blog posts about it at the moment, uh, specifically about Scrappitude, and then I'll talk about another post I just made today. The Scrappitude Mystery Quill. If you recall Charlotte from my guild, the one we call the Scrap Queen, I interviewed her in episode 51 and then did a longer interview with her in episode 92. We badgered her after <laughs> we a bunch of us in our guild had done um Bonnie Hunter's Easy Street mystery quilt including Charlotte. Um we had all done it together. And after we all finished that, you know, people kept saying Charlotte, you do scrap quilts, you should do a mystery quilt. It would be fun. You should do a mystery quilt. Well, we finally wore her down. And she agreed to do a mystery quilt. So she is leading our guild through a mystery quilt this year, um, between now, which is again September 2013. And we're shooting for having the tops completed by our February guild meeting. And our guild meetings are like in the middle of the month or the second Tuesday. So sort of the middle of February is about when we're shooting to have our tops done. Um, She is going to give us a step every month at our guild meeting, except for December, Um, And that's specifically because December is very busy for everybody. So she's going to give us another clue. She gave us our first one in September. She gave us another one. She's going to do another one in October and November. Then we'll have a brief hiatus. And then in January, she said we should be at the point of putting the blocks all together. And then by February, we'll have that um, top completed. So that's kind of the time frame. She has also promised us that it would be nowhere nearly as intense as the Bonnie Hunter scrap quilts are. So um, I asked her permission, and she was thrilled to think that I might have listeners who might want to join in the fun. She said, sure, do you think anybody's actually going to want to do it? And I said, try us. Let's let's see what happens. So I posted a blog entry about it on, I think it was Tuesday. Yes, because it was immediately following Guild, so it might have gone live on Um, Wednesday, but wrote up the instructions that she had given us, and I did it in two separate blog posts. So one blog post has all the cutting information, and the second one has the first set of piecing instructions. And almost immediately, I've lost track, I think we're up to about 15 of you all have said you wanted to do it, um, which is very exciting. And I know the Flickr group that I've set up for it, it also has 14 members besides myself at the moment. And so the first day that I posted this thing, um, the blog post, and within a minute and a half, I kid you not, about four people had already said, I'm in, I'm doing it, I'm in. And so I emailed Charlotte and said, okay, just wanted to let you know, early returns. <laughs> you got four people doing it. About an hour later, Charlotte, you're up to eight people doing it. And then the next day, Charlotte, we're up to about 15. And she is thrilled. She is thrilled. Um, she, she's a very humble woman. And the idea that so many people would be interested in, in doing this has just kind of floored her. So that's been a lot of fun. I've really appreciated um, being able to share that with her. I am, like I said, I'm posting the steps on the blog. Now, here's the thing that I just need you to keep in mind as we go through this process. This is Charlotte's first ever mystery quilt. Um, she is a gorgeous scrap quilter. Oh my word. She does beautiful, beautiful work. So if if this mystery quilt turns out even half of what she normally does, I'm excited about the possibilities. Uh, but this is her first mystery quilt. And additionally, it's my first time interpreting somebody else's directions for public use. So she stands up and she explains to us verbally and I'm you know using my thumbs and my phone to quickly take notes into my NoteSpark app. And then I get home and I try to then write that out in a way that will make sense to people who weren't actually there. So... All of that is to say, please be kind. (laughs) If you decide to do this, be aware that there is some margin for error here because neither of us has ever done this before. Um, If you have a question about a step, ask me. If it's something that she covered that I just neglected to put into the blog post, for example, yes, it's your two and a half squares that need to go into those four patches. That was the catch um, this past week, but I did fix it in the blog. So if you're just going to the blog now, it's correct. It was not really that clear uh, when I first posted it. So that was something I could fix. If it's something that I'm not clear on, then I will go back to Charlotte and ask her. Uh, So there might be a little bit of lag time between me being able to get that information if you have a question. Uh, We are basically all more or less pattern testers (laughs) at the moment. So um, just be patient with that and and we're good to go. If you recall Bonnie Hunter, who has done this a gazillion times or however many times she's done it, there were some errors in hers. So it's not an easy thing to do, this mystery quilt thing. I I have a lot of respect for Charlotte for being willing to try. Uh, And it's been fun, you know, just what little bit... I have not gotten very far in mine, but (laughs) it's been a lot of fun, even in our guild. We did a scrap exchange, by the way, in our guild, um... A bunch of us brought in two and a half inch squares at Tuesday's meeting and threw them on a table. And those of us who brought some then took some. So we have a a better mix of two and a half inch squares now. So that was kind of fun. I had a brief thought about trying to do a scrap exchange via my blog or this podcast. And honestly, folks, I'm sorry. I just don't have the time. So (laughs) I decided to bag that. If y'all want to exchange scraps with each other, I would more then be happy to say to you, you know, tweet each other, email each other, whatever you want to do to swap those scraps. Um, However, most of those of you who have joined in have said, I've got a boatload of scraps I need to just use, so I'm not sure swapping scraps is going to be the the big issue. Um, So here's some other information I can give you. I have done several back episodes on scrap quilts, and a couple of them were fairly in-depth ones very early on in my podcasting career, so I cannot speak for the quality of delivery, perhaps. Um, but I can say that I do remember I had researched the heck out of them. Those were episodes seven and eight, if I'm remembering the numbers correctly. And I only knew that offhand because I just posted these in a blog post. Um, I don't memorize what every one of my episodes <laughs> has been. That would be that would be awesome. But <laughs> I have instead went back and I searched them out. Um, I made a blog post today that went live tonight that has embedded in the blog post itself the audio files for those podcasts. The reason I had to do it that way is because when I changed my web host or my um, blog host last year, last spring, um, and did all the various uh, redirects of the domain name and all of that kind of stuff that I had to do, it meant that all of my past episodes aren't really accessible in an easy manner anymore. Um, I would have to go through and upload every single one of them individually to this new website. And, you know, I just haven't had the time to do that. So the easier way for me to do that this time was to just create a blog post and then I could embed them each in in that blog post. All that means for you is, one, you have them all in one place, which is very handy. But secondly, um, it does mean you can't actually download those files. It's not set up that way. But you can stream it. You can listen to it directly from your computer, and or whatever device you're listening, you're reading your blog on. Although honestly, I did not test it on iPad or iPhone, so don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> I don't know. I did test it on my PC. It worked there. Um, so that that's just the reality. Sorry, can't do anything about that. But this is just sort of supplemental information, anyway. Um, what else do I want to talk about? The the, the thing about scraps that I have learned about scraps um, in the few scrap quilts I've done, and of course researching all of those episodes and talking with Charlotte twice, because two of those episodes were interviews with her, um, is that the big thing with scraps is really to pay attention to value, not so much color. Unless, of course, you're doing a color-controlled palette. But if you're doing just an all-out scrap quilt, what's important is the value, not the color. So if, if the design that you're choosing has a background color... Um, uh, it has a background of some sort. Just hold all of your scraps up to that background to make sure you're not going to have an inadvertent problem where you know one part of a block suddenly disappears because it blends in with the background too much. I've actually been doing that with um, Scrappitude as I've been cutting scraps. I'm using a white background. Well, I'm using a, a scrappy white, but it is all white on white. And there are some of my scraps that were like floral patterns that had white in parts of them. And when I held it up to the white, it just, it looked weird. You wouldn't, not knowing, especially how these squares are going to be used, you know, to have half of the square disappear into the background might just not work real well. So I'm not using those squares. I'm only using the ones that I know for sure will actually show up against the background. Um, Even in low volume quilts, as they're called, those ones that are kind of muted, that are quieter quilts, you still have to have a little bit of contrast in there or you're not going to see the pattern. So that it's mostly about value and contrast more than color. Now, obviously, if you're doing a controlled palette, then that's a whole different matter. Then you do have to pay attention to color more. Um, so on Scrappitude, here's been the, the debate and the conversation on Twitter as we've been talking about this, is whether or not to go full out scrappy or controlled scrappy, the controlled palette. Um, so far from the people who have been tweeting about it, there does seem to be kind of almost an even mix, although I would say it probably tips more in the favor of the full out scrappy. Um, for example, Daisy of Very Lazy Daisy Quilts. She is just now finishing her Everything But The Kitchen Sink string quilt, which originally had another name. I'm sorry, I think it's Riot, but I'm sorry, Daisy, now I'm always going to think of it as the Everything But The Kitchen Sink quilt. Um, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous quilt. Oh my word. Daisy it's a beautiful quilt um, and it would almost completely convince me to go full out scrappy but the problem is her string quilt the it's strings so those scrappy pieces are very very skinny. Um, you know what I'm cutting are two and a half inch squares, five four and seven eighths and five and some something I don't remember the exact measurements offhand. so they're bigger. So I can't get away so much with saying, oh, well, it'll all disappear. I mean, Charlotte keeps trying to convince us of that every time we talk to her about, well, what what kinds of scraps should we be choosing? Because there are a lot of people in our guild who are surprisingly uncomfortable with the idea of scrap quilts. Um, not, I mean, they love scrap quilts. They love seeing other people's scrap quilts. We all love Charlotte's scrap quilts. Uh, but to do it themselves, you know, and, and this is where I struggle, is like, I'm not sure You know, do I really want a batik next to a Civil War repro? I mean, it's those kinds of questions. Is that really going to work? And it's an individual um, thing. Everybody's going to come up with their own answer for that. Um, There are some on Twitter who seem to be going more controlled scrappy, having a certain color palette, certain color scheme. Normally, that does really appeal to me. And and I I did spend some time kind of looking at my stash and wondering, particularly, you know, do I have a lot of one color that maybe I could knock off? (laughs) lot of that in the scrap quilt but I was thinking boy that's going to involve a lot more cutting because mostly what I'm using are two and a half inch strips that I've got in my strip stash even so I could still do a controlled color palette Um, but you know I did that when I did easy street it was a very controlled palette in there and I didn't like my results in easy street so you know just doing a controlled palette for me anyway does not guarantee that I'm going to like my results so I think as I've been debating this I'm going to just go full out scrappy and just see what happens. I I told Daisy cuz she was really egging me on on the full out thing. I told her that if I hated the results, I would just mail her my finished quilt and she could figure out what to do with the dang thing so I wouldn't have to keep looking at it. So we'll see. You know, I'm willing to I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to see what happens. Um I'm curious, you know, what what are you if I asked you, you know, if you decided to do a scrap quilt or if you have done a scrap quilt, are you a full out scrappy person or are you a controlled scrappy? Um, controlled palette, Scrappy. Uh, do you throw everything but the kitchen sink in there, or do you tend to choose within certain criteria? And if so, what are your criteria? So I'd be really curious to to get sort of a straw poll out there of my listeners. What do? You, how do you approach scrap quilts? Um, I do also, and, and any tips that you might have, if you've done scrap quilts and you have found that some things tend to work better than others, you know, please lay it on us. Again, all of this really is personal preference. There are people that love scrap quilts that I look at and think, oh yeah, I could not have that in my house. And then there's ones I've looked at and loved and other people have been like, what are you nuts? You know, so it's, it's all very personal preference, obviously. Um. And I am posting a link as I, as I was kind of trolling online for pictures of scrap quilts for me to try to assess which ones tended to appeal to me more. And found out I really don't follow any patterns in that. I like, you know, everything pretty much. Um, for me, the, the minor, just to digress, for me, the main criteria in what makes a difference to me about whether I love a scrap quilt or can't stand a scrap quilt is whether there's anywhere for the eye to rest. I am not a big fan of the super busy scrap quilts. I know some people love them. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. You know, if that's what you love, do it. For me, I need somewhere for my eye to rest. I need that consistent color maybe that that floats through. Like there's somewhere, I don't even know the name of the block, I'm sorry, but it's it's a very busy quilt overall. But then there's just this little tiny square. I would say it probably, now I'm only looking at a picture, so it's all out of scale, but... I'm saying that square might be at most two inches um, square that kind of runs through the quilt. And one of them that I saw, I've seen this design done a few times, but one of them I saw that square was red and every other color was in there. But just that one line of red squares throughout made that a wonderful quilt for me. It's, it's all for me about what where is that one place my eye can lock onto and say, there's the consistency in all this scrap, scrappy. So that for me seems to be the difference. Um, and that's why I chose to do on my scrap quilt a white background. and I also love the white background. I, it's a very fresh um, look for me. Um, I would say modern, but you know white backgrounds have been around since quilts have been around. so <laughs> I would say you know that to me does not necessarily say it's a modern quilt, but white backgrounds are pretty big in the modern world. so in any case, um, if you you know, give us your thoughts about, scrappy quilts what works for you what doesn't work for you any tips you'd like to have Um, while I was doing my research I started to say this earlier I did find a board on Pinterest somebody else's board on Pinterest of modern scrap quilts and I'm going to link that in the show notes for those of you who are interested there were some gorgeous quilts on there um, there were some that I look at and say, "Yeah, that says to me that's a modern quilt." There are other ones that I was like, "That's a traditional quilt. It's just using new fabrics." You know, that that to me is not a modern quilt. But that's personal definitions of what makes a modern quilt. Um, but there's whether or not you define something as a modern quilt, it's a pretty quilt and it's on those pin boards. So, <laughs> and I will post that link um, in the show notes of this episode. So that's all I really have to say about scrap quilts because I've said a lot of it before in those previous episodes, which I just posted the blog post about. Um, So Scrappitude, did I say that's what it was called? Did I call it that, Scrapitude. It is Scrappitude. There is a Flickr group and you can hashtag Scrappitude, S-C-R-A-P-I-T-U-D-E in Flickr. I'm sorry, in (laughs) um, Twitter. So other than Scrappitude, um my own projects i am still working on baby quilt number one i was going hell for leather if you'll excuse the expression on it late monday night i was trying to see if i could get the whole piece uh, the whole top pieced before guild meeting on tuesday so i could bring it to show and tell because my thought was i would have it done before the end of the month and mailed off to the recipient so that my guild would never actually see it unless i could get it done Well, you know, I just got going too fast, and it was too late. I should never, I know better than to sew after 9 o'clock at night. That's just when my brain shuts off. It just does. (laughs) It always has. Um, And I just get careless, and I make stupid mistakes. And in this one, I had pinned a lot of the block, but I had not pinned some places that I really should have pinned. So as I was sewing blocks together, um, there's a couple, you know, so I've got two completed blocks. I'm sewing the two completed blocks together, I pinned certain intersections, I did not pin other ones, and those were the intersections that, of course, when I was done, were off, and it's noticeable, and even though this is a baby quilt, I want it to look nice, Um, and it's for somebody that doesn't, that I don't know as well, she's my, um, she's a niece, but she's a step-niece, and she came into the family as an adult, and they've always lived out of state, so I've only met her a few times, so I don't know her well. So it's not like my nieces that have grown up with me seeing me, you know, once a month or so, and they know me and love me, and I could throw off something with a funny story and say, hey, look at that mistake, isn't that funny, haha, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that in this case. So I really want to make sure it's, if you know, I can't do perfect, but I can do a lot closer than this was. So I've got to redo, I've got some unsewing to do. Um Not too much. I mean, it's not going to take me that long to go back and it's not every set of blocks, but it was a few of them. So I need to go back and redo that and then take my time and slow it down and redo them. Um, Then the other thing I'm going to be doing this weekend is starting my hand embroidery block of the month, if that's what we're calling it. I don't know what we're calling it Um, officially for Guild. There were several of us. I think I talked about this in, in my last episode. But there are several of us who wanted to learn more um, hand embroidery, hand stitching. And so Janet from our um, guild is going to lead us through a monthly um, embroidery thing, whatever we call it. Now, she has called it Seamly Stitching, Seamly spelled S-E-A-M-L-Y. And so we've got the first three stitches we're going to be doing this month for our next guild meeting. And she gave us a couple of options about projects we could do. create for ourselves to do these stitches every month and what I've decided to do is kind of a long tapestry thing which was one of the ideas she had told us and when she'd originally described it I was like I don't want to do that I want to do you know some other kind of project but then when she brought in some pictures of what this other person had done and I immediately remembered some of my earlier hand dyes that I called tapestries they're very long narrow and they um They're not ombres because they're not a single color. They kind of go from one color to another throughout. And so I'm going to cut one of those into, um, I think, a six-inch wide slice and then just stitch through it um, horizontally. So eventually you'll end up with this very long, narrow kind of thing. And I think it'll end up looking really cool because what I'm going to do is do the stitching in sort of different colors or some other variegated color so it runs from one to the other in an opposite direction of what the fabric is. Um, very hard to describe, and honestly i don 't know if I can pull it off because it depends on what happens over the next few months that we 're doing this. I did by myself what 's called a scroll frame um, for those of you who have ever done any cross stitch, you probably are aware of the scroll frame uh, for those of you who aren't we 're all kind of used to seeing the big hoops you know because they 're similar to what we use for um for quilting for hand stitching they 're smaller, but you know it 's round it 's a hoop. this is done it's a rectangle and it runs so you attach your fabric to the very top and the very bottom and then you can kind of roll it as you go and the one I bought is six inches wide um, by I think 12 inches long and that's why I'm cutting my fabric to six inch. I could have done a four inch wide or I could have done a I think the next one up was maybe 10 inch and I thought 10 inch might be a little wide and four inch was a little narrow so six inches felt just right. So I've got to get that prepped, and I want to bring that with me this weekend to start working on it. Our first three stitches are just a straight stitch, stem stitch, and what was the other one? Running, running stitch, straight stitch, and stem stitch. Um, all of which I've done before. Running stitch, pretty good at the other two, not so good at. It'll be good to get a little bit of practice on those. If you're interested in doing this as well, I'm not going to do it as officially as scrapitude, just because it's going to be harder for me to remember to do it every month, but. Um, the blog of Jan's blog in which she's posting every month are stitches because she sti- she links up to YouTube videos and other resources she does a great blog entry on this her blog is quiltingrevolution.blogspot um actually I, i'll post the link to the first month one in the show notes of this episode and then just bookmark it follow it um it, it's a good blog anyway she does a lot of machine embroidery that's kind of her thing I mean, she does a lot of quilting but her blog deals a lot with machine embroidery, so you'll see a lot of that. And I'm sure in the few weeks coming up, you're going to see a lot of Halloween stuff, because she loves Halloween, <laughs> so she always does a lot of Halloween projects. Um, so those are just kind of the, the things I've got going, the baby quilt number one, and the hand stitching, and of course, scrappitude. So that is my content for this episode. As promised, I've got some listener feedback. First thing I want to say is thank you so much to Tanisha, Crafty Garden Mom, because I was a winner. Woo-hoo! I I win so rarely. (laughs) It's so nice to win. Um, I was one of the winners in her uh, UFO challenge through Flickr. Um, So I will soon be getting a gift certificate, I believe she said. I'm very happy about that, but it's mostly good just to get those UFOs done to even enter them in the challenge. So thank you very much, Tanisha, Crafty Garden Mom. Um, listeners, if you don't listen to her podcast, make sure you check it out because it's a good one. And especially right now, uh, she's been posting all the information about books she's reading that are all preview copies of stuff that's going to be published soon. So it's a great way to kind of start looking at what you need to pay attention to coming up. I want to say thank you to Nancy who sent me a link to a blog from a woman in her guild, Mary Story. And actually, I already follow the blog. So um that was pretty cool, but I just want to let you folks know about it if um, you're into the fabric dyeing and fiber art and the kinds of stuff that I am into myself. Uh, her name is Mary Story, and Story is S-T-O-R-I, and her blog is marystory.blogspot.com. I'm, not, I'm probably not going to post the link to that in the show notes because I probably won't remember to, so just pay attention to that. marystory.blogspot.com. And another word about grommets. So if you remember last episode, two episodes, I guess it was a couple episodes ago, um, I talked about grommets and fabric and trying to figure out how to make this work. And I did get several people that offered suggestions. Um, Some had to do with getting a different grommet maker that was uh, made for a different type of grommeting, if that's a verb. Um, Other people suggested putting interfacing on the back of the fabric. There were a lot of really good suggestions. Ultimately... (laughs) as tends to happen, I ended up not needing grommets at all. What I've decided to do instead is the old index card filing system, and I did um, post a picture of that on a recent blog entry where I'm just gluing swatches of fabric onto index cards. Because my issue with the the reason I wanted the grommets is I was trying to figure out a way I could do samples of my fabric in an an easily flip throughable way, some way that I could just quickly kind of flip through a bunch of fabrics to get to the color I really wanted to get. A notebook would be too hard to keep organized and reorganized as I create more and more swatches as they go, plus it just kind of gets messy and wet. Um, so I was I was really kind of struggling with how to do this best and ultimately decided, you know, the old index card filing system was probably what was going to do for me. So thank you all for your suggestions about grommets. And I am going to keep them on file because I know, like Jay, I think, uses grommets in, has, has used in the past in, um, for journals, you know, fabric journals, that kind of thing. So, I'm going to keep the information on file, it's just no longer mm-hmm. immediately relevant. Okay, I'd also talked about needing help on figuring out how to um, keep track of my fabric samples while I was in the process of dyeing them. So, for example, like last week, I was doing experiments in green, different combinations of different colors to get see what kinds of greens I could come up with. And that means I need to track, you know, this dye bath has this fabric sample, and then I keep notes as to what recipe I was using in that dye bath, that kind of thing. Um, Kitty had emailed and suggested safety pins, uh, where I make safety pins chains. So like number one would have one safety pin, number two would have two, and number three would have three. And what I need is something that will be on that fabric throughout the entire process, the washing machine, the dryer, everything. What I ended up doing, I kind of was pondering that whole safety pin thing and thinking that might be sort of the direction I was going, but it wasn't 100% there until I found on Home Depot, and I haven't been able to buy them yet because they apparently aren't in the store. I have to order them online. Numbered key tags. These are tags that are made to go onto keys for like landlords, you know, or uh, places that have a bunch of cars, you know, fleets of cars Mm -hmm. or whatever and it's just a white plastic tag with a number on it. And so I'm thinking that would be what I would want for the dye bath, because the plastic will hold up to the water. I don't care if it stains, you know, who who cares? But the numbers, then I could track to um, my notes. However, here's the thing. So the the one I found that I really want to get says numbered key tags, numbered one to 30, packages of 12. Just let that sink in for a minute. Numbered one to 30 in packs of 12 that doesn't compute. I can't even begin to figure out quite what that means. So does that mean I'm going to get 12 sets of tags all numbered 1 to 30? Or does that mean I'm going to get one package 1 to 12, the next one, you know, 13 to 24, and then the next one only has like four I don't know what that means. So the only way I'm going to find out is when I actually order these. I just, that cracked me up when I read it. And my son walked in the room at the same time. I said, let me read this to you. See if you can figure it out. And he goes, okay. And I said, numbered key tags one to 30 goes yeah okay I said packs of 12 and he looks at me and he just kind of cocked his head and raised an eyebrow (laughs) We're like we really don't know what that means anyway I digress so thank you Kitty you've got me kind of on the right track you were the one that sent me down that line of what can I pin to this fabric that will stick with it so uh, thank you for that I want to say thank you. Oh, by the way, my sister, Diane, who commented, who said she is going to do Band Band Books Week Challenge, but it will have to be a very mini quilt if she's going to get it done on time since she is, quote-unquote, not a quilter. She keeps saying she's not a quilter, um, and yet she has already made a quilt. She made a baby quilt for my niece, so we'll see if she stays not a quilter. Okay, and thank you to Tammy and Gail and Shelly and Pat and Lori and Diane, different Diane, and Pam, Colleen, and Daisy, very lazy Daisy, who are all in on the mystery scrap scrapitude. And um, that doesn't count the people who told me through Twitter. So there are a bunch of you who are doing it, and more are welcome to join. Again, I've only posted the first step so far, and the next step won't come until the middle of October, so you've got some time to catch up. And in fact, I need to catch up. So um, you're all welcome to um, play along. I want to uh, say thank you to Ginger Kitty, who I've heard from once or twice before. Not very often, Ginger Kitty. You need to talk to me more. Uh, She said she loves the stories and life part of quilting podcasts. Uh, She says, as a mother of one three-and-a-half-year-old boy and a full-time biologist, it somehow makes me feel better to hear how others find balance in their lives. Um, I also think that for many of us, podcasts and our online friends have taken some of the in-live friend roles that used to be more common. Not that I suggest we give up all our warm and breathing friends, but it can help bridge the gap for some of us. Nobody in my social network really is into sewing or quilting, so tell us about your life and struggle with adult kids. I can't even imagine that far ahead, but I'll stash the information away. So yes, Ginger Kitty with your three-and-a-half-year-old son, eventually they do move out and they take half your furniture with you <laughs> with that So. That's what you have to look forward to. Um, I do think for those of us, especially the you know those of us who do tend to, for example, work at home or are stay-at-home type parents, um, it's it's hard sometimes to find those social connections, and the online world has really opened that up for us. So I appreciate my online friends and my in-life, real, warm and breathing friends. Um, I am pleased to hear that Ethel has signed up for the Craftsy class with Carol Ann Waugh. She is responding to that episode, 129, in which I did the interview with Carol, with Carol Ann Wall. Um, she is uh, Ethel is already working on her stitch Bible. She says, luckily, my Bernina only has 85 different stitches. Of course, I will also make one for my Singer machine and my embroidery machine. Um, and then she talks about how useful it is to have that stitch Bible, and it really is. So thank you for your comment, Ethel. Okay, the other Daisy, I believe this is the other Daisy, the one who just recently broke her wrist. I'm so sorry, Daisy. I hope you're getting better fast. Um, She comments on um, episode 130 in which I give a long overdue update. Based on what I've read about dyeing yarn with Kool-Aid food coloring, I think it would only be colorfast on animal fibers since it's an acid dye. It'll stain your favorite cotton shirt in a heartbeat but might not work as expected on cotton fabric, might fade a lot when rinsed, and so on. But for something that won't be washed, it would be neat to experiment and see what happens. Um, even on wool, etc., the food dye, yellows in particular, aren't very light fast, from what I've been told, but haven't tried them myself. Um, was leery of trying after I heard that. And then she says, please excuse the zillions of typos. My wrist is in a splint, which is making typing an adventure. And I have to hand it to you, Daisy. You typed a lot with your wrist in a splint, so congrats on that. Thank you for uh, to Kelly Five, who does, she was one of the ones that talked about the interfacing for the grommet, so I appreciate that um, that clue. And Quilton Jenny and um, Bo Liz, who told me how to pronounce her name, <laughs> and of course, Very Lazy Daisy, all had comments on Kool-Aid dyes, so if you're interested in that, make sure you go to um, the comments to episode 130, in which I give a long overdue update and read everybody's comments. Um, Terry commented on episode 131, in which I get a lot done Finally, That was my most recent episode um, in which I talked about working with spam. (laughs) She said, I had to share a spam story with you. Many years ago, I was asked to make sushi for a potluck at my daddy's house. Daddy was not the one to request the sushi. I made a bunch with crab, cucumber, and avocado, Colorado rolls, but ran out of crab before I ran out of nori, avocado, cucumber, or sushi rice. I grabbed some Spam and used it in place of the crab for the rest of the rolls. We got to Daddy's house, and my kids quickly ate all of the crab sushi, leaving the Spam to linger. At some point, I apologized for resorting to using Spam in the sushi. Spam, you say? Daddy and his buddies immediately devoured the sushi. They asked for Spam sushi for every gathering after that. Go figure. (laughs) So I never thought about making Spam sushi, Terry. I don't know that I ever will, but (laughs) thank you for that story. It was great. Thank you also to Jackie and Jen, and again, Quilton Denny, uh, Quilt and Denny, <laughs> the diner one, <laughs> Quilton and Jenny, um, and also thank you to Shelly for her comment on my um, blog post about ice-dyed results. She said, I'm so happy you found fabric dyeing so fascinating. I did too until I moved from half yards to yards. Oh my, what a long two days that was. I now leave the dying to others and happily pay for the hard work it takes to do yardage. So happy to know I may have another resource for fabrics in my future. And she asked whether I had looked up buying my fabric at testfabric.com. I only recently found testfabric.com, so I need to do a side-by-side comparison with what I pay at um, Dharma Trading, which is where I get most of mine, um, versus test fabric, and um, all of that kind of thing. So I will check that out. Thank you for that, Shelley. And Shelley says she... Um, She said, I know I ordered 40 yards, and by the time I was finished, I was ready to use the last two-yard piece as a shroud. You do. (laughs) There are times when you just kind of get tired and worn out, and you need to just walk away for a minute. Um, She said she uses hand dyes as the basis for 70% of my work, and the rest is batik and commercial prints for the collage work. And then she says, check out the Tim Holtz new line called Elements. I think it's very cool, which I did as soon as she she, um, left that comment. It was great stuff. So thank you, Shelley. I appreciate that comment. Um, thank you to, uh, I'm trying to just pick out the new, the other comments that I haven't already mentioned. Thank you to Jennifer as well. Um, a lot of people told me what they were going to be working on during LDSI, because again, remember, I didn't do listener comments last time. Uh, Terry loved the color magnet effect on the onesies, particularly the yellow one, because the results were a bit sul- subtle. She says, it makes me wish there were a baby coming to our family, but she will tuck this idea away and wait until the proper time. Um, and June says I don't know oh this was on my LDSI recap blog post where I posted all the pictures of everything I had done uh, on LDSI Um, I had one of the things I finished was my Project Hope online quilt and she says I don't know if I should say your artist statement is perfect for the project or the project is perfect for your artist statement very nice thank you for that June I, I do appreciate that and you know, it's interesting. I could say that about a lot of the, the quilts that were posted in the on Project Hope online quilt show. If you haven't been to that Flickr group to look at those quilts, you really should. They are very moving and really wonderful work. Really wonderful work. I really enjoyed seeing what everybody um, posted there. I want to also say thank you to Gretchen and Lori, different Lori, Carol, um, and... Terry, again, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to mention, a lot of people comment but you've already commented before so I'm trying not to say your name again and I missed, I said Terry again. Um, but I did wanna say a couple people said when I posted about my new lights in my sewing room, I'm going for the single ceiling mounted fixture and a whole bunch of floor and desk lamps to really, really good can lighting that's all daylight colors, it has been a huge difference in my life. And somebody did say it would be interesting to see if I have the same problems with seasonal affective um, disorder this year that I've had every other year, whether somehow having these lights in because this is my home office, um, so I spend a lot of time in this room. it's both home office and sewing room, so having the new lights in here might actually make some uh, winter a little bit better. Um, okay, and thank you to everybody who posted who left comments on my blog about spinning. Uh, But Jill said, so Sandy, who doesn't knit, is looking at spinning. I see knitting needles in your future. (laughs) Jill, bite your tongue. Not going to happen. And Chelsea said, when my grandfather got a new dog, he shed so much that he jokingly, that my grandfather jokingly told my stepmom to spin it into yarn for him. Well, she did and knitted him a hat with it. It cracks me up that other people have thought to do this too. Use all the resources we may have at hand. (laughs) So yeah, Chelsea, every time I sweep up my golden retriever's hair, I keep thinking I really should take up spinning. It just should happen. And I'm sorry, who's this? Uh, Stephanie, also on that same blog post about spinning, says, I've heard a lot about spinning but really haven't had a clue as to what they meant by it because I'm only a knitter and crocheter about two to three days out of the year, said I know, I know nothing about spinning and qualities of yarn. Confession, without doing any research. Spinning, is it the act of taking the ball of yarn and spinning it on a spool? That sounds too easy. Let me research before I embarrass myself any further. And Stephanie, can I tell you, I'll assure you, you were not the only person that asked that question. I did also get asked that question on Twitter, is what is spinning actually doing? And it's what spinning is, is taking the raw material, um, the roving, and spinning it into the yarn. That's actually the spinning process. Um, there's another word for them turning it into a, a ball or a skein of yarn, and I'm sorry, I don't remember what that word is, but <laughs> I do know what the spinning part is, the rest of it from there. That's still a foreign language to me, um, but that's exactly what spinning is. Okay, and Kath Bull had posted on my Scrappitude Mystery Quilt first step. She said, thanks for the newbie post. I'm going to try my best, and I, I want to say thank you, Kath, for for commenting on that because I wasn't entirely sure whether to do that tutorial, the set of tutorial pictures or not. Because like I said in the blog post, I don't normally do tutorials. I'm not a tutorial kind of girl. Um, but I decided, you know what, I'm doing this. I might as well, you know, a little value added on the the um, blog post. And maybe there are people on my blog who don't really know how to do the nested seam thing and all that kind of thing. So It was a simple one to do. I cannot guarantee that I'm going to do a tutorial on every one of those Crappitude blog posts, but we'll see. It kind of depends on what she asks us to do for each step and whether I happen to know any helpful tips for doing that. So thank you, Cathble, for affirming that that was a good thing for me to do in that blog post. I appreciate that. Okay, and I did also want to refer to this other comment also from my sister. on When I posted about the t-shirt pillows and talked about using the Steema Seam Uh, It's a quarter-inch wide tape that I was using fusible. And Diane said she had inherited steam-a-seam from Mom. but She said, I'd always use stitch witchery, which is fine, but once I used the steam-a-seam, I had never gone back to the other. I love that it stays where you put it until you're ready to fuse everything together, and the different widths and weights are extremely useful. I have a drawer full of it and use it all the time. Being more of an art and decor sewing person, I just can't type sewer, which looks like sewer than a quilter, I find lots of uses for it. So that's just another person heard from to say, if you have not tried steam seam before, you might want to give it a shot. Um, I've never done all out testing of all the different fusibles that are out there and available. Um, I've used a couple of different ones. I've used Misty Fused, I've used Pellon um, of different weights, and I've used, of course, steam seam. But I haven't done enough real scientific studies to be able to sit here and say to you, well, you use this kind in this instance and this kind in this, in this other instance. Um, you will find that information online, of course. Um, So it's out there, but that's just not something I've done. But I did like this Dimasim tape that I was using. And then I just wanna say thank you so much. I've got a boatload of new subscribers to the blog by email. And I had been reading everybody's name, but there's like 30 names. So (laughs) I really appreciate everybody that has subscribed by email. I do think that's probably the easiest way to um, read a blog. I subscribe to a few blogs by email. And, you know, that way, you know, you're seeing it immediately, you're getting it right in your email, it makes it easy to read, it's kind of fun to do. So um, I appreciate everybody who has done that. And I keep saying that, you know, I'm not going to keep blogging as often as I am for weeks to come, but it's still, it's keeping up there. I guess Charlotte gave me some stuff to do, so (laughs) that's been good. So thank you, everybody, for all of your comments. I really appreciate it. Um, Again, I'm away this weekend, but back on Sunday and hoping to make some progress in Scrappitude. I am going to try to do a Scrappitude linky party. I'm shooting for Tuesday um, next week so that people who are doing Scrappitude can post on your blog what you're doing and then link up to my blog so that everybody can see what's going on. I'm going to try to do that, you know, once a month as these steps go on. Uh, the, the reason I'm sounding unsure about it is because, again, with this new blog format, I've got certain things work a little bit differently than they did in the other ones. And um, I've tried to set up that linky, but it's hard for me to see if it's actually going to work until it goes live. So we're going to do the best we can, but but bear with me. If I try to do the linky and it doesn't work, then we'll try to figure something else out like a day or two later. Um, so that's it for this episode. Again, remember, Ban Book Weeks. Challenge, Band Books Week Challenge I always get the plural in the wrong place and if you want to join up with the Scrappitude Mystery Quilt please do, Charlotte would be thrilled and again, the hand embroidery block of the month I will put the link to first month's blog and then just follow the blog and you'll get her posts about it once a month after that as well that is it for this episode so you know how to get a hold of me You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter and Pinterest and Flickr and Goodreads, all of those places. I am Sandy Quilts. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group, and you can like Quilting for the Rest of Us on Facebook. And, of course, you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good. And you'll find links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until the next time, go get your quilting on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.